You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. everyone. Uh, this is the last week of our series, and we are excited to be able to have this panel. Um, one of the beautiful, beautiful things about being a part of an interdenominational church is we have people who come from all different backgrounds and traditions within the Christian faith. And so one of the things we really try to do and value is to hear a variety of voices, because there's something we can learn from all the different sort of veins and flavors of the faith. Um, and so we have a few different flavors of the Baskin-Robbins faith here today with us <laughs> to sort of maybe help expand our minds and our hearts. So I'll start first. Um, we're going to just kind of introduce ourselves. I'm Larry King, leading the panel <laughs> this morning. Uh, he, him, pronouns, and I'm one of the pastors here at Forefront. Good morning, everyone. I'm Frank Espinal. My pronouns are he, him, él. If you speak Spanish, I've been a proud member of this community for almost 10 years. And my name is Angela. I'm the worship pastor here. Pronouns she, hers. And um, I started going to Forefront back in uh, like September of 2013. Mm. Yeah. Good morning. I'm Sammy Main. Pronouns she, her, hers. Uh, I'm a member of Forefront's leadership team, and I've been attending Forefront since 2019. <laughs> Question mark? It's the before times. I know it's the before times. <laughs> Hi, I go by D. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm also on the leadership team here. And in two weeks, it will be nine years here at Forefront. So wow. uh, Memorial Day 2013. Yes, and I hope... I always remember. Yes, and September will mark our 10-year anniversary. So we're excited for you, those who've been around for quite a minute. Um, Angela, would you start us, start us off by sharing like any sort of metaphors or images that you grew up with of God that were meaningful to you? Okay. Um, well, you know, growing up, of course, um, had the, the big, scary, white God, mm. right, with the crazy white Mark Twain hair and the beard <laughs> and just ready to smite us. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I did, you know, I grew up in a, in a small town, like the first town that I grew up in, we had a community of, of black people, you know, but even in the black church, it was a white Jesus, it was a white God. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find it interesting that we sort of flipped the script on this white Jesus, white God. Um, before, in, in the community, you know, it was used as a symbol of our inferiority, mm. right? But we, as we, as we were shared the word, we heard about a God that loved us all and a God that was a freer of the slaves, mm. right? And um, Jesus, that was a champion for those that are oppressed. And so we took that and we finally had this image of this white God that was all-powerful that was on our side. So God as Father was very important and is still very important in the African-American community 
And I know that's something that I struggled with, letting go of that concept. I know that it's patriarchal. I know that it's supremacist and all these different things. But there was a way that we reclaimed God. Yeah. And we made God something that we were missing in our lives, right? Historically, fathers being ripped out of the, out of the home, right? Sold off. You know, we were, you know, just trying to find some sense of, of, of try to make some sense out of this. Yeah. And so that's how it evolved for us or for me. Yeah. And the, you talk about flipping the script and it's interesting to think about like how, like you said, like the, the Bible was given to slaves when they came over because well, slave owners thought that they would he- read the verses in the New Testament that said, like, <laughs> slaves submit to your masters, and they would submit. And, but they read the book, and they were like, oh, wait, there's like Israelites, and they're being oppressed, and God seems to be on their side, not on the side of sort of like the powerful slave owner. And so they read the text and saw something different than the owners would have thought um, and these oppressors. And so I think that it's fascinating to think about when we each come to the text, we see the text differently, and um, we, have the, we have the ability to, to either oppress people with the text or to liberate them. I think that's also the reason why they didn't want us to read. Mm, yeah. Right? Because yes. they wanted to tell us, they wanted to pick and choose. Yes. Right? And so when you were able to see for yourself and read for yourself or have, you know, somebody heard about this Moses and yes. it, it changes things. So that's how knowledge is power. Yes. That is how knowledge can free us. You know, it, yeah. it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, it really is. Um, and when I'm thinking about metaphors for me growing up, uh, I'd really identify with this, like, God as father as well, because my grandmother would always quote to me that passage that says, God is a father to the fatherless. Mm. And I didn't realize until I was a little older when my grandfather passed away that the second part of that verse, after a comma, is, and a defender of the widow. And when my, grandma, my grandfather passed away, I grabbed my grandma's hand, and I said, and he is a defender of the widow, and you were there for me when I needed a dad, and I will be there for you. And I moved in with her, and I spent a year with her. while she grieved my grandfather. And to be able to be what one another needed in the embodiment of God in different seasons um, has always meant a lot um, for me and for her. Um, Dee, let's turn it away from me for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I I got emotional in first, and I was like, oh, I'll be fine in second. And like, no, no. It's contagious. Yeah. Yeah. I've been through a lot of therapy, so I thought I'd work through that. But <laughs> We're weepy staff. Yeah, ha- Mac always says hashtag weepy staff when we cry. Um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, yeah. So, Dee, as, as a person who identifies uh, with they pronouns, how is it that you have evolved in your faith? Why has that been important? And how has the need to be see an expansive God sort of evolved for you? Sure. Um. So, you know, if anyone wants to hear more about it, I can tell you my long story um, at another time. But I think I would say that several years ago, maybe five years ago, um, a, lot of the, a lot of the things that I thought I knew about myself started to crumble. So a lot of, like, my sense of identity started to crumble. And that was so tied to the way that I knew God and understood God. And when I struggled with... Uh, you know, my gender identity sort of got all messed up and twisted into a whole other thing. I kept hearing all these negative messages, um, either from like people I grew up with uh, or a family or like just like the world telling me that like, uh, 
well, God made you this way. You can't possibly think that you know better. Mm. And then one day it hit me like a ton of bricks and it hasn't left. And it was just that like, for me as a person who does not fit into a single gender that we understand here, it did not, it did not violate you know, God's rules, but it made me actually more and more like God. Because God could not be fit into a single gender as we know it yes. today. Amen. Yes. Um, and I needed to see God as bigger than what I had known, because otherwise I would lose God entirely. Yeah. You are an invitation, right, to see God more expansively, to see God as genderfully when we see you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> putting a lot on me today. Yeah. I, said, <laughs> I said it first service, like maybe it'll land second service for you, but it's still like you got to process that, right? Yeah, like it's, it's heavy. It's a hard thing. Um, yeah, and, I, and I, know, I think for me, when I've thought about God as expansively, I've had to think about like God is the Holy Spirit. Um, like God was never limited to the earthly body of Jesus in 33 years. Like God was present before that. God was present after Jesus's, you know, ascension. And so there's, Jesus is just one manifestation of so many manifestations of who God is. And so I think that was the first time I was able to be like, oh, maybe God is bigger than just like the image that I've been seeing of him because I'm a human and that looks familiar. Yeah, and we're not done yet. Yeah. It's going to keep going, this like yeah. new understanding, a new discovery in the way that God meets us. Yeah. It'll continue to be because God is a living. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, which makes me think, I wonder if like the more that we come to accept ourselves and one another's and live into our gender identities, like the more we will see and know God, like more now than, than ever before, perhaps in new ways, because we were created in God's image. Yeah. Yeah. I hope. I hope. That's the prayer. <laughs> we're trying to do that here at Forefront. Um, so another question for Sammy, um, like we some of us have talked about sort of what metaphors and images we identify with God. What's an image that you, a metaphor that you identify when you think about God? Sure. Um, I'm going to do a, I was going to call it an experiment. It's not an experiment, and now I don't want to <laughs> scare you away from trying it with me. But if you close your eyes uh, and think of nature, hmm. what image comes to mind? You don't, have to, you don't have to participate and yell it out, but just privately to yourself. Close your eyes and think of nature. What comes to mind? Um, and this was uh, shared to me in a class by a professor who then afterwards we went around and we um, shared what images came to us. And for me, it was like a misty mountains, you know, kind of tree-filled Colorado-esque um, idea of nature. Um, but not one of us mentioned humans. And so I, I would gather that maybe most of us here didn't think of humans when we think of nature. And I think that's important because um, Humans are last on the list of creation as we have it in, in one of the Genesis creation stories. And there's a lot of ways for me that I um, conceive of God, that I have a concept of God or the divine. Um, sometimes when I say God, I, I have an idea of the God in the Trinity. And while the Trinity is perhaps supposed to be like an equal manifestation experience of the divine, um, I still sometimes see it as a very hierarchical God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, and so the more I can associate the divine without humans, the more I can get away from that hierarchy and perhaps start to see God in 
everything in other humans, in myself, in the trees, in the streets, in the buildings. And for me, that's how I find a more expansive expression. Yeah, you just made me think for the very first time, talking about the hierarchy of the Trinity. Some people think of them all as equal, but some do think of them as a hierarchy. And it's fascinating that we would assign the lowest one on the Trinity hierarchy to females, because usually the Holy Spirit is associated with a woman, and, and that would be the lowest of the three. It's fascinating that we've, we've done that, and, consciously probably. And nature. Uh, a lot of times it's helpful to think of, of Mother Earth or Mother Nature, and yet it is her resources that we take uh, mm. without permission. Yeah. Um, and there's very interesting study around the feminization of nature and how that somehow allows us to take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of wow. implications wow. of gender with all of this. Something to think about. Yeah, which makes me think of what Bryn shared this morning about the Lanapi people. Like they had a relationship with the earth that there was, a com there was consent, acknowledgement, care for, um, all those yeah. things. Frank, what sort of images, metaphors do you identify with when you think of God? So I, I grew up black and Latino here in New York City, right? So I, I, I can went tell to, by your accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah, that New know, York <laughs> thick, you know. Got to get you, get out of my unique way. New yeah, York. Yeah. Right, unique yes. New York. Um, <laughs> unique New York. So I went to a Catholic school, right? And I, I was sharing this with you earlier this morning, how we had detention at our school, but they called it JUG, which mm. is an acronym for Justice Under God. Right? Make of that what you will. Yikes. Right? Now, this was the early 90s, and in, you know, in, in their defense, they needed every weapon that they could to control us. We, we, we were the inmates that ran the asylum. But like, the idea that they introduced God as this controlling figure, right? So like, they had to convince us that God loved us. Because they were like, God's going to punish you. Like, you know, that's going to happen. Like, you guys are wild. But he does love you. Right? And I don't think I discovered God until I became an adult. Right? Mm -hmm. I think I saw God as like, like a cloud, like the all-seeing eye, like a thing that was mm -hmm. like always there, you know? But I think that as I got older, I understood God to be feelings, presence, moments, right? Um, mm -hmm. Energy. Yeah. Right? Just this, um, this experience. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And it's so, it's so expansive. Um, Angela, how about yourself? What images, metaphors for God have you seen yourself growing into now beyond what you were taught and you shared a little bit ago? Yeah. Um, Yahweh. Mm. You talked about that, you know, it's just like something you can't express, right? It's just like the breath, yeah. the awesomeness, the expansiveness of God. You know, I think of Revelations, they have a description of God and it's terrifying. It's like, <laughs> like all these things and it's like you cannot put God into a box, Right, God is not this 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 white man in the sky gonna swoop down or you know like change everything for you. God is just the essence of our breath. Yeah. God is life, and however you see God, actually, when I I don't have an image for God anymore. Mm. I used to have an image for God, but now I have no image of God. It's just everything. Mm. God is everything and that's so freeing it's so freeing and I and I love that you know God becomes bigger and that how I see God has no effect on how you see God how you see God right mm -hmm. we all get to have this relationship with God and see God the way that we see it yeah and it doesn't invalidate anyone's view of God yeah. Just strengthens it and makes him bigger. Yeah. 
Dee, would you will be willing to share a little bit, kind of, you know, dovetailing off of what Angela said that, you know, there are images and there's views of God that do invalidate, but for Angela, her view of God is so inclusive it doesn't. How do you deal with the people that their view of God invalidates you and your God? I mean, most of the time I just have to ignore them because it's just not something I need to, like, invite into my brain. Um, there, There's some people in my life who have told me that they believe that the the way I'm living my life is leading me away from God. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, no, that can't be. Mm. Um, you cannot take God away from me. And um, what you think about God cannot be like a weapon to make me believe the same thing you do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've all talked about different types of ways that we see God. And I can get behind all of that. And, and that's been something I've had to work on, too, to, to be expansive enough to hear other people talk about God. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I can't get behind is if the God that you relate to excludes me or anybody, really, anyone who looks like me or anyone who looks nothing like me. Your version of God can't make room for mm. certain kinds of people or certain kinds of lives or for nature or for, you know, built things, then your understanding of God is so limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have to take that from you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's right. And that, that's been I've been a journey to get to that place to realize that, you know. I mean, that's, that's hard um, because so many of us are, are, are taught the opposite. And I, th- I think that one of the things that's really important, you know, to always... I'm always having to think about is anytime I think that I've got God figured out, like I've, you know, I've made God of myself, right? Because I, I can't. I can't figure God all out. Um, and I can quickly become a fundamentalist liberal and be like, I know exactly what God is like. This is exactly what, and God is like nothing other than that. And I'm like, wow, I'm just as much as a dogmatic person as I was when I was a fundamentalist conservative. I just have a different set of beliefs. And so I have to continually remain open to realizing like, no. Like, I cannot put God in that box. I cannot, like, be, live in so much certainty that I'm not open to when I cross somebody in my path who sees God in a different way. And I'm like, oh, I've never thought of that. Like, something you just said. And I, I need to always have a theology that remains open to be able to say, oh, I'm adding that to my pool of belief. Not, mm. nope, get away. That's not the God that I've created. Um, wow. Sammy, tell me, are there any other images or metaphors you think of when you think of God? Sure. I mean, also, I just want to say every time I keep remembering the Jenga tower from like Lenten season (laughs) and and, like adding to the path instead Mm -hmm. of like completely knocking it down, I think can be so, so helpful. Maybe God isn't a Jenga tower, but maybe our concept of of how we approach thinking of God. Um, uh, Your question is like any other images or metaphors. And I think um, I would challenge uh, if we need God to be a human, and if so, if we need that human to have a gender, and if they do have a gender, if it needs to be male, and why? Um, yeah, that was a lot of jangle blocks. That was a lot of jangle blocks. I think the tower just fell. Let's say right there. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm a, I'm a nerd, and I, I just finished uh, my second year of a three-year program for my MDiv, and one of the books that we had to read, if you're looking for light summer reading, is uh, by a feminist <laughs> theologian, Elizabeth Johnson, uh, and the book's title is She Who Is. And so speaking to this idea of societally acceptable masculine and feminine um, categories, 
If in a patriarchal culture, a woman had preached compassionate love and enacted a style of authority that serves, she would most certainly have been greeted with a colossal shrug. Is this not what women are supposed to do by nature? But from a social position of male privilege, Jesus preached and acted this way, and herein lies the summons. Um, it's not important for me that God is human or gendered or male, but because a human expression of God named Jesus was male, he was able to subvert the patriarchy that existed then with using feminine characteristics of caring for people, which is radical that that was <laughs> yeah. frowned upon. Um, and so I think that's something that I take with me of how, what are the systems in power and what expression of God can subvert those is something that I think about. And that's maybe why yeah. I tend toward um, nature, maybe because nature is often feminized um, that I lean toward that expression. Yeah, that's so helpful. Um, thank you for that, and thanks for reading from that rich book. Um, Frank, would you share with me, maybe any, or with the whole group, um, what are sort of uh, reasons or ideas of why you think it's important for us to think of God as genderful and not sort of limited? Sure. I, I, think, um, I think it's human nature to want to define things, mm -hmm. right? I think it's something we, we touched on this morning, right? You can't, you can't embrace it unless you define it. You have to know what it is, right? And it's almost mm -hmm. impossible to think that way, right? So you think about, like, I don't know how many people are around small children, but when you think about the way a child looks at you, they don't look at someone who has figured life out. They just figure, I'm hungry, you know how to feed me, Let, let's do this, right? Sure. <laughs> so in their mind, they don't want to know how you prepare the meal. They're just like, I can get what I need from you. Mm. Right. I, I can get this. All right. Or you're the one that takes me to the park. Great. Let's go. Let me get my shoes. Mm -hmm. So some of that is why I personally and I haven't studied it or anything. It's why I think that there's so many references to us being children of God. Mm. There are things that God understands and knows that we couldn't mm. even begin to comprehend. Yeah. So why would we embrace him or her or it or that and put it in a particular box? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. To think that God is not anything that we understand is mind blowing. Mm. Right. But that is that is how we feel. Right. That, 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 that it gives us a certain a certain sense of security to identify something that we love as something that we need to see. Right. Yes. And for me personally, I have I've had the pleasure of being in this church for almost a decade. I have met people. I said this this morning. I've met people who are LGBT, LGBTQ plus who I love and adore. And as my life has gone on, I have people that I love and adore who are now LGBTQ+. And that full circle experience is not lost on me. Yeah. So I cannot take God and put God in this infinite box from here to there when my life has shown me that those borders, those limits are like useless. Yeah. Right? Yes. Thanks for making space for that. Like for that, for us to exist in your worldview and in the world in that way. Um, so appreciate that as an ally. Um, Dee, can you share with us a little bit too about why you think it's important for us to see God as genderful? If you ask me, I would be completely all right if we just like dismantled all systems of gender. I think that would just be better for a lot of folks, um, uh, including like those in power and not in power. It's, it's harmful when it's used in that way. But um, I think it is also like on is our uh, I'm going to use the term calling, but you can debate with me on that. Um, it's on us to dismantle the patriarchy. 
Um, it is on us to, uh, you know, take apart the cis heteronormativity in this society that we have built. Um, and those are not from God. And if we, we need to see power in things that are not from that cis heteronormative um, supremacist uh, structures that we have. Um, I think that like folks who have been uh, marginalized by other people's view of God, like need a genderful God hmm. um, that is more than, that always has space for more of us. Hmm. Um, or all, I should say all of us, every single one of us and every bit of creation is God's. Um, yeah, I think that's where I'm gonna. Yeah, and I love that. And you know, scripture invites us to love others as we love God and love ourselves. And I think if we don't love ourselves, then we're gonna have a really hard time loving God and loving others. And so until we can learn how to truly feel loved and love God, then that whole circle is just like a broken record player. And so I think that in order for us to truly love others well, to love ourselves well, we have to see God fully so that we can feel fully seen and fully loved. Before I came out, I never felt fully loved because I never felt fully known. And so I think this journey of seeing God in an expansive way is key to living out the Christian life. Um, and so as we, as we wrap up this panel, I want us to think about the reality is, is that if you're struggling, you know, we've all shared where we've been on the journey, how we've evolved, how this has changed for us. And like, if you're struggling with this and can't wrap your mind around it and it's just a lot, that's okay. We've all been there. We're all there. We're always going to be there because this is the journey of faith. We are, we call ourselves progressives because we're always progressing. And our faith, we stand upon the shoulders of people who've progressed before us to different views and images and ideas of God, including Jesus, right? Jesus comes on the scene. And people were like, this is not the image of God that we thought God was. You know, our God wasn't born in that town. Our God wasn't born to that certain racial group. Our God wouldn't hang out with those kind of peoples. Our God, X, Y, Z, you just fill the blanks. And it ultimately led to Jesus' death because they wanted to kill the image of God that wasn't matching what they had created. And reality is, is we're being invited to see the way that we have been created in the image of God, not the way that we have created God in our image. Mm. And so I invite us as we finish this series to really sit with that, to wrestle with that, and, and to look deeply in ourselves, and more than that, to look around the room, to look around the streets. When you're on the subway, check it out. When you're walking through Prospect Park or whatever park you walk through or a street that's got lined with beautiful trees, look up and realize you are surrounded by the image of God. And anytime you try to limit it, look up in the skies and realize that there's something more that expands past that that you'll never wrap your mind around. And let that be a reminder to you, you'll never wrap your mind around God. Amen? Amen. Let us thank the panel for joining us today. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.